All right, so you know we're in a message series, you guys are aware of that, called The Power Of, and we've talked about a number of topics so far in the last number of weeks, and today I got to tell you that this one, for me, for me, a pastor can have a favorite, right? For me, this is the one I've been looking the most forward to. This is the one that I feel like stirs in me more than anything else. And I'm careful to say that. I mean, you know, you, you can't, pastor has a favorite scripture and all this stuff, but this is the message for me that I think stirs and resonates more than anything else. In fact, in a lot of ways, every week that I get up here and that I share what God has put on my heart, I believe that you hear some of this message coming out in some way, shape, or form. And the reason is, is because it's impacted me so significantly in my life. It's just, it's, it's, I've walked this out, I've experienced this in such a way that's so profound and significant. It, it's just changed, it's radically changed my life forever. And today, I want to talk to you about the power of purpose See, I mean, yeah, the power of purpose. And let me just tell you a little bit, I guess, about my story first, because you might be able to understand. Golly. Okay. <laughs> so when I, got, when I got saved, when I gave my life to Jesus, I was 22 years old. I'd heard about God. I grew up in a home that believed in God. You know, it, it was around me, but it was never my own. It was never my own. And uh, I never really made the decision to give my life to Christ. Never even really understood how much I needed him, truthfully, you know. And, uh, and I lived a very reckless life through my teenage years and early 20s. I did a lot of horrible things that I'm, I'm not proud of, but I'm forgiven of, and I know that. And... Uh, and so when I got saved and I met Jesus, and I mean it, I met Jesus, okay? This wasn't theology for me. This wasn't ideology. It wasn't religion. This was relationship, and I found it. I met Jesus. And when I did, it changed my life. And I gave my life to him, and when the Bible says that, you know, you are made a new creation in Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, like, I experienced that, and I knew that I experienced that, and it was different than any emotional high or drug high or anything else that I had ever had. It transcended and went way beyond what any of those things had ever been able to do for me. I knew my life was completely different. I knew I was saved. I knew I was loved by my heavenly father. And I knew I was going to be able to spend eternity with him in heaven one day. And it just changed the game for me. It just changed everything because I was able to live now from that place of blessed hope and assurance that I'm loved, that the father God loves me and that his Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, that I'm empowered by him and that I'm going to live my life in eternity with him forever. And I just have lived every single day of my life differently since then, every day. And as I began to study the scriptures and I began to get plugged in at church and get taught and grow up strong in my faith because I was a baby Christian, you know, I was on fire for God, but I was a baby Christian, immature. I needed a lot of work. A lot of things needed to be purged out of me. 
and uh, I needed to grow. My, the gifts that were in me needed to be tempered. They were unrefined, and even though they were strong, they could still be careless and reckless too, you know? And so I was, I was all about that. I wanted it. I, wanted, I dove in, and I was all about whatever God had for me. And I began to see, and this is where this message starts to come into play, I began to see and began to get taught about this idea about this truth, I should say, that God has a purpose and a plan and a destiny for my life, that he actually preordained before the beginning of time that I would have a purpose that I would fulfill while I was walking on this earth. The days that I lived here with God's presence in me, I wasn't just born again and saved. I'd been commissioned. I'd been mandated to walk out a life that was actually a purpose-filled life that God would be doing a work in and through me and that he had a plan for me, that he actually had a plan laid out of how my life would go and that that plan was better than anything I could ever come up with on my own. Now, you got to understand, I, before all that, I thought I had it all together. I, was a, I, I thought, you know, I knew it all. Anybody else, when you're like 18, 19, you know everything, right? I mean, you know everything, of course. And, and so the whole idea that like I couldn't figure out my own life on my own, that I didn't have the ability to create the best plan for myself, it, it was like a, a realization that worked a humility in me that I said, okay, look, I just I've, I want to lay this down. I want to give this over to God because I don't want what I want. I want what he wants for me anymore. Anybody else can say that? And so this idea that God had a purpose for me in my life, it began to light me on fire. I mean, I couldn't help but just want to live for that every single day. I didn't want to miss anything never, still don't, that God has for me. I want to pursue it with full abandonment. I want to trust him. I want to take risks for him. I want to go all out. I want to lay myself out. I want to wear myself out through all the days that I'm breathing so that at the end of that, I can say, I give you everything I had. I fought the good fight. I, I, I finished the race strong, Lord, and I can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It moves me. It compels me. It drives me every single day. And, and I want, I can't can't help but want to share that with other people. Like the idea that you have a purpose. You ought to see when people hear that for the first time. And I know the feeling. I know the experience because I remember it like it was yesterday for me. When you know you have a purpose, that God's created you for a reason, and you see the effect that it has on somebody. You see the change that it has in their life and the way that they begin to pursue God and the way that they live every day. It's, it's contagious. Like I can't get enough of it. And so the whole reason, the whole vision behind starting this church and, and it being Life Church X, raising up game changers, guys, that vision was, it, it comes out of that passion for us. It does. Because when we say raising up game changers, that's exactly what we're talking about. Raising people up who understand and know that they have a purpose and that they walk in that purpose and that the world is changed, radically transformed because that purpose is being fulfilled, not by their own strength, but by the power and presence of God flowing in and through their life. And that brings the transformational change into the world that we need to see. That's the church being 
being the church, all of its members of its body walking and living in their distinct functions and roles, which is their own purpose and destiny that we're all created for, but doing it in a way where it's a, a place of power and transformation that's coming out of us, just like what's already happened on the inside of us. Anybody with me so far? So that X on the end of our church name, Life Church X, represents game changer, X factor. That's where we get that from because it means an X factor is a change agent in a given situation that changes the outcome more than anything else. And we believe an X factor or a game changer, that's the way the language we use to say, this is somebody who's walking in their God-given purpose and destiny. This is someone who's living out their days on fire for God, on fire for Jesus, empowered by his spirit, and living the life that he's called them to and prepared for them, not their own. And when they do, guess what? That's the change agent in any situation that they go into that will influence and affect that outcome more than any anything else. You drop people who are on fire for God into any environment, any ecosystem, any area, any culture, I'm just telling you, it will be turned upside down. The power of God will transform. It is not limited by culture, by eras of time, by demographics. It's not limited by anything. The power of God resonating in us and flowing out of us brings transformational change into a world around us like nothing else can do. And that's what God's calling us to. He's saying, the Bible says, many are called, few are chosen. There's an invitation for us all. There's an invitation to walk in this power in this life that God's created us for, that he sent his son to die for us to have, and he sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to walk out. It's an invitation for all who hear the message, but not all will hear it. Many are called, few are chosen. Not everybody will step into it, realize it, and walk in it. And so when we look at the Bible, thinking about the power of purpose, I want to show you something today because God has given me over the years, this has been such a key mark, I guess, for, for me and my journey. He's given me so much revelation in the scriptures on this idea of our purpose. I've studied it. I've, I've researched this through the Bible probably more than any other topic. And he's given me so much on this as a result of that. And, and so today, I want to, and this will probably go in the next week, actually, but I want to, this is what I would consider to be kind of a deeper teaching on purpose, okay? A deeper teaching on this subject of purpose. And I want to show you some things that God has shown me that I hope will anchor this, will hope, hopefully really drive this idea of purpose and destiny into your, into your spirit in a way where it will light you on fire the way it's lit me on fire. That's, that's what I'm hoping. And so when we look at the Bible and we look through the Old Testament, you have to understand that one of the things that we see is in the Old Testament, there are many things that happened in the physical sense that were foreshadows or symbols of things that Jesus and what he died to give us would actually be fulfilled by in a spiritual sense, okay? For example, we see in the Old Testament the Red Sea crossing, that's very significant. Now, the Red Sea, the water was parted supernaturally. Israel walked through that. The Red Sea closed back up. Her enemies were destroyed in that, and they walked out, and they went to move into the Promised Land. So the Red Sea crossing is a symbol of us 
walking out of bondage, walking through the, the water, the parted waters, and, and walking into a life that God has prepared for us. It's, it's a supernatural part. So this is the physical waters. Many people relate water baptisms to that, to that parting of the Red Sea. It's symbolic in the sense that when we are water baptized, we are making that public declaration that we have come out of an old life of sin and bondage, and we are stepping into a life of being reborn, made clean, and into a new destiny that God has for us. We also see that in the Old Testament, another example is that the high priest that went into the temple in the Holy of Holies where there was an altar and there was a fire that was burning all the time where those sacrifices would be made, that it was the high priest's responsibility to keep that fire burning at all times. So that represents, it's a physical fire. There was actually a flame and a fire and wood that was kindled there. But that actually represents, in a spiritual sense, when the Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us, as James said in the worship today, and the veil was torn down in front of the Holy of Holies, now the Holy Spirit lives in us. It's not the presence of God behind a veil. It's actually living in us. And that fire that the high priests had to keep stoked all the time is now us, our responsibility, because the Bible refers to us as all being a part of a holy priesthood. So now we're all priests with God. And so so we have to keep that fire in us burning, stoked at all time, white hot, to continue living on fire in the life that God has for us. And then we also see one more example I give you, just so you can kind of get this picture, Old Testament physical experiences that represented and foreshadowed spiritual fulfillments after Christ. We also see you know, the Ten Commandments. God gave the law, and he wrote the law on tablets of stone. That was his, his will. This was how he wanted us to walk. His you know, ordained that, we would, that they, Israel would walk in these, in these statutes. Well, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, it says that God gave the law. He wrote them on tablets of stone. But when Christ come, he actually, now the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and he writes those laws on our hearts. Isn't that amazing? So that we see this physical tablet of stone and of the law that never could really be fulfilled, but then Christ comes, forgives us, and his Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, and now God's plans, his will, his ordinances, he begins to write them on the tablet of our heart, spiritually speaking, so that we can walk in those statutes and we can be obedient to him. So you see all these amazing, I could give you tons of examples. There's all these amazing, I mean, the Bible is just perfect. It's just perfectly laid out. And there's all these Old Testament truths that are fulfilled all by Christ. <laughs> you get that? All by Christ. Every one of them were fulfilled and the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk them out. So here's the point. God originally had the whole plan for all of this, and he had these things that happened to give us symbols to show in the beginning of the ages what things would come after Christ would do what he had come to do. Well, here's another one, and it's about purpose. I don't know if you know this, but the promised land, the promised land that God committed to giving Israel, that he promised to give to them, the promised land is a symbol for our own purposes, our destinies that God has created us for in our lives. Hallelujah. And I want to show you that because this is so significant to me. When you, when you look in the Bible, one of the, when you see the promised land, 
you've got to recognize that there was a promise and a destiny for the nation of Israel that they would step into and that they would occupy, and it was a physical land. The Bible refers to it as the land of Canaan and the area of Canaan, okay? And there was a physical land. But we have a spiritual destiny, a spiritual purpose in our life that God has created us for. And when we step into that purpose and that destiny that God has promised for us, it is the greatest life, it is the greatest fulfillment of God's plan that we will ever recognize or we will ever walk out. It's better than anything we could come up with or plan out on our own. So when you go back in the book of Genesis and you see in chapters 12 and 15 that God made a promise and a covenant with Abraham. And he talked about the promised land. He said, I'm going to call you out of the land that you're in, and I'm going to give you a new land. I'm going to bless you with it. He showed him how far that land would descend. And he also said in Genesis 15, he said, if you look and you see the stars that are greater than you can possibly count, so shall your descendants be. They'll be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So God made this covenant, this promise with Abraham that he was going to use him and he was going to give him a life and he was going to take him into a land that he would inherit. And that was where the beginning of what we see is the promised land was initiated for, for the people of Israel right there. And so what happened is Abraham has Isaac and then Isaac has Jacob and Jacob has 12 sons. The 12 sons of Jacob became the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, Jacob eventually had his name changed from Jacob to Israel by God. That's actually where the nation of Israel got its name. I don't know if you knew that. So, so all this happens, and then you have the 12 sons of Jacob. One of those 12 sons is Joseph, who was sold by his brothers into slavery and then he became a very influential figure in Egypt. And at, during the famine, Egypt, or Israel came and unknowingly sold themselves into slavery and bondage to Egypt, which began the 400 years of slavery and bondage they would eventually be set free from when Moses led them out of Egypt. Are you tracking with me so far here? Okay, so we know they're going back into the promised land after Egypt. But think about this, they unknowingly stepped into a place of, sin, of bondage and oppression under Egypt. They sold themselves into slavery. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were in a perfect place before that with God. But when they sinned unknowingly and disobeyed God, they had no idea what the consequence that was getting ready to happen was. And then sin and the condition of sin came upon them. So when Egypt sold themselves into slavery unknowingly that they were going to be under that oppression and that bondage, there's represent, representative of how the condition of sin and oppression now comes over people's life as a result of the garden. So then they're in Egypt, they're in bondage, and what happens? The Passover lamb 
God says to Moses, go, they're going to sacrifice the lamb, they're going to have the Passover lamb, and they're going to put the blood on the doorposts and on the lintels, and then he's going to bring them out of this bondage. So we know that the Passover lamb is a representation, a symbol of the, the perfect lamb, Jesus, whose blood was spilled to forgive us so that we could be forgiven so that the, the judgment that was rightfully due on people who have sin would pass over us. So now we see that the blood of the lamb in Egypt is there, and then we see that the people of Israel came out of bondage, but get this, they actually plundered. It says that they took all kinds of goods of gold and silver and everything else from the people of Egypt whenever they left there and stepped out of bondage and began to head into their promised land, their destiny that God had prepared for them. Did you know that when Christ did the work that he did on the cross, that he plundered hell and all of the forces of hell for you and for me so that we could live in that same place of victory and authority? Let's look into this. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. It says, when he, Christ, had disarmed the rulers and authorities, the supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public spectacle, example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. So Israel plunders Egypt and takes their goods and all their, their resources as they head out of bondage and begin to go into the promised land. And this promised land is a place that is referred to over 15 times, I think, in like five books as a land that is flowing with milk and honey. You've heard that before, right? What does that mean? That, that means there was physical prosperity in this land. There was, it was going to be rich with resources. It was going to be rich in its soil, its ability to grow crops, its ability to raise livestock. The promise and the blessing that God had for the people of Israel was a land that would be rich and flowing with milk and honey. Now think about the promise and the purpose and the destiny that God has for us. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and you may have it abundantly, which means to be rich and overflowing with excess in every area of our lives. Do you see that? So the physical promised land that was physically blessed is a symbol of the purpose and destiny that God has for our lives that we are purchased and bought into that is a life that is flowing, so to speak, with milk and honey. It is blessed and overflowing and rich in every area that God has called us to. We ought to walk in abundance in the way we experience joy in our relationships, in our finances, in the way that we do the work that God has called us to do. There is a spiritual implication of that flowing with milk and honey, of that abundance, of that overflow that is happening in our lives as we walk in that purpose and destiny that God has created for us. Listen to this. I'm just going to read a couple verses out of Deuteronomy 28 that speak about as you head into the promised land, 
This is the way that the life that you're called to live looks like. It's a blessed life. In verse 28, or I'm sorry, in chapter 28, let's read uh, in, from verse 10 on. It says, Then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. So the physical land that he gave to Israel is a symbol of the spiritual purpose and destiny that God is giving to us, all of his children. And this is what it says about the blessing in verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God. And so, guys, the, the plan, the purpose that God has for us, it is a blessed life. It is a life flowing with blessing, with, abundant, with, with abundance, with resources, with God's hand and provision upon us all the time to be able to do the work that he's calling us to do. But it's interesting when you see that as they went into the promised land, they still had to fight off enemies. They still had to push enemies out of areas where they were occupying that were rightfully theirs by God's ordinance to begin with. So this is a huge indicator of how as we walk out our purpose in our destinies that God has created us for, he's got a promise for your life, but you are going to have to use the authority that you have been rightfully given to push the enemy out of areas, out of occupying places that you, in fact, are preordained and purposed to, to occupy yourself as part of your destiny that God has created you for. You're going to have to fight the enemy to push him out. That's why when Joshua was getting ready to lead the people across the Jordan River after they came out of the wilderness and Moses died, he said, get all the troops ready. Get everybody set and ready to go. We're going to war. We're going in and we will possess the land that our father God has given to our fathers. Possess the land means to dwell in it, to push out enemies from it, to work it, to enjoy it, and to appreciate and experience all of the abundance and riches and blessing that that land has to afford them. And that's what our purpose and destiny needs to look like. We should recognize God has created this promised land. He has, he has ordained a purpose and a destiny for your life and for mine. And he's given us the power and the authority. He spoke it into existence, and he's given us the power and authority to walk out and push the enemy out of areas that he will try to keep us from occupying, claiming, and owning, which are rightfully ours, but he will try to prevent us from having them and experiencing it in the fullness that God has originally planned for. And as we know, Israel 
failed in this in a number of ways. They didn't fight all of their enemies off. They didn't stay close to God every step of the way. They rebelled. They turned their back to him. They worshiped idols. And as a result of this, they compromised their ability, get this, to fully step into the destiny, the promised land that God had originally prepared for them. It was all theirs. It was there for the taking, there for the having, there for the pleasure, there for the blessing. But because they didn't stay close to God, they didn't stay intimate and worshiping him, and they didn't push all of their enemies out with the authority that had been rightfully given to them, as a result, they suffered a lot of trial, a lot of difficulty, and a lot of issues that prevented them from really stepping into the complete fulfillment of the promised land that God had originally. Plan. And it's because physically they could never actually completely attain that. But in the spiritual sense, God has given us His Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of us, and we begin to walk out this purpose and destiny here on this earth in this world each and every single day, pushing the enemy back, taking territory for God, claiming what's rightfully ours, seeing people come to know God and the kingdom expanded. But get this, this is so important, that your purpose and your destiny isn't entirely fulfilled on this side of heaven. In fact, the purpose and destiny that God has created you for, in large part, has everything to do with eternity just as much as it has to do with the life here on earth. So this purpose said, I'm going to give you my spirit. You're going to live with power and authority. You're going to transform the world while you're there. And then the fulfillment of that purpose and destiny, the completion, the final era and stage of that is when you leave this life and you go to spend eternity with God in a perfect place where now no sin exists, no pain, no harm. We're in the constant presence of God. We can't be out from it. The Bible says the glory of God radiates through all of heaven. There is nowhere that the glory of God isn't shining when we go to be with him in eternity. And that's the fulfillment. That's the completion of the purpose and destiny that God has created us all for, that we need to step into and we need to walk in and we need to eventually realize whenever we leave this life to go be with him forever. And so I want to show you some scriptures that speak about how God has created you for a purpose, that he's created you for something significant and special so that you can see how through all of the Bible, God's talking about this. He's speaking this to us so that we can get it in our heart and we can claim it and we can walk in it in faith and begin to live out this life that he has prepared for us. If you have your Bibles, travel with me in through a number of these verses, but the first one is in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Listen to Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Isn't this amazing? Like God has a knowledge of us. He has an idea for our lives before we were ever even formed in the womb. Does that blow you away that you serve a God like that? Like the purpose that he was 
thinking for your life was designed before you were ever even substance, if you will, in the womb. Listen to this in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God was seeing this purpose and this destiny for all of our lives before we ever even physically existed here on this earth. I think that that's just one of the most remarkable truths in all of Scripture. And then in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose us before the foundation of the world. You remember in Genesis, God spoke the earth into existence. The foundations of the earth were formed. It says that he had his eye on you. He had his plan for you and for your life before he ever even formed the foundations of the world. Does that mean something to you today? That speaks to me so much. It, 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 it tells me how special I am to God. It tells me how unique I am, how remarkable it is that God is wanting to use me in this world to do something significant for him. He was thinking about this before he was thinking, before he was constructing the earth and the mountains and the oceans and all the things, the sky and the planets and everything else. And the last one is in Romans chapter 8. It says, we know that all, this is verse 28, all things work to good together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, his son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. So he calls us into a life of purpose and destiny. When we become called and we step into that, we are justified, meaning the penalty of sin and death is removed from us, and those who have been uh, justified will be glorified, meaning the presence of sin will eventually be removed from us altogether whenever we leave this earth and go to be with Jesus in heaven one day. Isn't that something? And so listen, guys, I just I want to close today with, with this, that my whole approach was to try to help you see how consistent throughout Scripture God speaks to us about a purpose, a plan, and a destiny 
that he has for our lives. There's this huge symbol of the promised land all through the Old Testament that echoes consistently about what a purpose and a destiny, a promised land for each and every one of us that God has created us for should be. And then we see how special and how unique and how much care God has taken into creating each and every one of us with that purpose and destiny in mind. And next week, where I want to move into is what it looks like to walk that purpose out and how we do that and the impact that is made in the world around us that should happen as we do so. Because listen, I'll close with this. All of our purposes, our destinies, they're customized. They're individual. They're unique. All right? The Bible speaks about this many places. Members of a body that are playing distinct roles. There's all kinds of places. It talks about the uniqueness. We have an individual purpose and destiny. But make no mistake, there's one bigger plan. God has a purpose in mind from on high in heaven that all of our purposes and destinies fit into. And if we will walk them out in power and authority, then we will play a part. We will play our role in the bigger plan, in the bigger purpose that God has for all of the world and for all of mankind. And we will finally one day, when the veil is gone on the other side and we can begin to see clearly as all things are, that plan and that purpose will begin to be revealed to us in a way like it never has before. And I look forward to that glorious day. Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Well, I hope you got something out of this. And I know that getting into some of the teaching on the promised land and, and purpose and destiny, and when you start you know, teaching on the, the comparisons and all that, I mean, I know that gets into some kind of some deeper things. So I hope you were able to, to hang with me and, and get something out of that today. I wanted to build a foundation for you. I wanted to, you to see how consistent this has been all the way since the beginning of where the scriptures start. And I wanted you to get excited about the fact that God sees you, that God's created you this way. I mean, that whole thing about before I was even formed in my mother's womb, before I even had substance, that you had your eye on me. It's just so powerful. And, and so many people in this world today, they feel unworthy. They feel like nobody they feel like they got no purpose. They feel like there's no reason for them to be here. Nobody cares if they're here. So many people have this horrible, misconstrued view of who they are. If they could only see themselves the way God sees them, that they have a purpose and a, a plan for their life, that God loves them so much that he's created them for something special. And this idea that they're useless or they don't have a place in this world or nobody cares, they're not worthy of anything, they don't, is a lie from the pit of hell. And if the, if the enemy can get people to believe that, he will, 
he will stifle so much of the good that God wants to do in and through their life. But I want to see people get set free from that. I want to see that, that false perception broken down in people's minds and the truth released in their life that no, not only are you here for a reason, but you're here for a special reason. And God's created you with gifts. He's created you with love that he has for you and care that he's given. It says every hair on your head is numbered. God knows your beginning from your end, and he has got a plan for your life that if you'll just step into it, it will be a life of abundance, more abundantly than you could ever think or imagine, flowing with milk and honey each and every single day. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I ask you that you would just release and open up a revelation on purpose to each and every person here today, all of us, God, that you begin to speak to us about purpose and about destiny for our lives. Help us to see how much care and how much love has went into what you've created us for. And help us to burn with fire and passion to seek that out, to pursue that, and to walk in that in its fullness, God, each and every single day. In Jesus' name I pray.